today on the Word Preacher Podcast, Sodom and Gomorrah, the promised blessing and the sacrifice of Isaac. I'm Brett Jensen, and this is the Word Preacher Podcast. Right. Our Come Follow Me curriculum for the coming week will bring us to Genesis chapters 18 through 23. Um, so there are a couple of notable things that happen in our reading, and we're not going to cover all of them in equal depth. One of the things that I wanted to start with was talking about the destruction of the cities on the plain, Sodom and Gomorrah. Um, this is recorded, uh, and there's some information right at the beginning of our reading, talking in Genesis 18. Uh, and if we just look at uh, 20 through 21, there were some messengers that came to Abraham, and they explained what God was planning on doing. Uh, and this is what it reads. And the Lord said, because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grievous, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it, which is come unto me, and if not, I will know. Okay, so these ministers uh, came to Abraham. He took care of them, wanted to make sure that they were okay. They they gave him some important information uh, in reward for his kindness and and to to help him understand he was being faithful. Um, and they let him know that the Lord was planning on destroying these cities. Abraham was concerned. Like he thought, you know, it's not going to all be bad people, right? I mean, you wouldn't destroy, the Lord wouldn't destroy the, the city uh, if there were righteous people in there too, they shouldn't be punished for the sins of the guilty. So he goes through this process, which is kind of fascinating. Uh, he's very humble as to, as he does it, calling himself not but dust and ashes, who dares to speak, but he'd still like to know if it would be pleasing to the Lord, if he would spare the city if he found 50 righteous. And then what if it was close to 50, but just missing five? If it was 45? What if it was missing five more than that? If, if they could find 40 righteous people, it would still be okay, right? Then 30, then 20, and finally down to 10. And the Lord confirms that he will not destroy the city if he can find 10 righteous individuals. Um, spoiler alert, he destroys the city. I think that's kind of significant. Now, um, let's talk about the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, specifically Sodom. There are some modern scholars or readers that would uh, sometimes really emphasize that the sin of Sodom was not caring for the poor. It was pride. Now, there's some scriptural evidence to back this up. Uh, in Ezekiel chapter 16, 
verses 49 and 50, it reads as follows. Behold, this was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom, pride, fullness of bread, and abundance of idleness was in her and in her daughters. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and needy, and they were haughty and committed abomination before me. Therefore, I took them away as I saw good. And for several people, that means, oh, well, you know, you always say that it's homosexuality was the cause of the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. But in fact, it was pride. Well, certainly pride played a role in it. And not caring for the poor played a role in it. Otherwise, obviously, it wouldn't have been included in Ezekiel. That was... That was true, in addition to other crimes, though. This wasn't the only crime that they committed, was not caring properly for the poor. And sometimes this is overemphasized by those who really don't want there to be a problem with homosexuality. Um, but of course, we get that from several other places. One of them is Jude, next to the last book in the New Testament. In verse 7 of that book, we read, Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Um, so here we have nothing about their pride or taking care of the poor, it's about their their uh, immorality. It's about how they conduct their lives, that they're giving themselves over to fornication, going after strange flesh. This has to do with their appetites, giving in to their lusts. This was a part of the issue. And as an example, they suffered the vengeance of eternal fire. The Apostle Peter also teaches that Lot, who lived in Sodom, was vexed with filthy conversation of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them, in seeing and hearing, vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. This isn't crimes of omission that they should have done more to take care of the poor. This is their crimes of commission, their fornication, their giving in to their lusts. And of course, above all of these other references, we have what Genesis itself describes. This is what Moses writes. And I'm going to summarize. We're not going to read all of the passages in Genesis 19. But the idea is that Lot was waiting at the gate of Sodom. And... Two men, who were secretly angels, appeared at the gate. He jumped up, immediately having a desire to serve them. He reverenced them. He made a feast for them and insisted that they not stay on the streets at night. Though Genesis does not explain his reasoning for this, he makes food for them, unleavened bread, feeds them. Uh, and as they are in the process of... of of having this hospitality, uh, the, the men of Sodom, described as both old and young, and people from every quarter, 
surrounded Lot's house. That's, uh, that's a lot of people. And they came to Lot's house demanding that Lot give them the men that had arrived that they might know them, which in the biblical sense means giving in to their lusts. This is a reference to fornication. Lot refuses to do this. And what do the men of Sodom do? They accuse Lot of judging them which is kind of a contemporary complaint, but they accuse Lot of judging them, and they promise that they would do worse to Lot than with his visitors, and they try to force the door. The angels intervene at this point. They smite the intruders with blindness, and they warn Lot to take his family and leave, telling him specifically, Look not behind thee, neither stay thou in all the plain. Escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. Now, Lot was concerned he wasn't going to make it to the mountain. He asks if instead he can escape to the small city of Zoar. The angels agree not to destroy that city, and Lot escapes. And as soon as they make it into Zoar, um, the fire of the Lord comes down, absolutely annihilates these cities in the plain. In this process, or in this situation, Lot's wife looks back from behind him and becomes a pillar of salt. So here we have the account in Genesis. Uh, there's, there's one more detail that I want to talk about with the Genesis account. And that's, there's a passage where it suggests, it makes it seem like when the men of Sodom were pressing for Lot to allow them to harm his guests, that he offers them his daughters. Um, that's not really what happens, and that doesn't fit in with other people who, throughout the scriptures, for example, Peter, in Second Peter the reference, that calls Lot a just man, that doesn't fit together with that. Oh yeah, don't harm these guys, but here, take my daughters and do whatever you want with them. That doesn't add up. So the Joseph Smith translation clarifies the men of Sodom were the ones who wanted his daughters as well, and that he was actually pleading that they not abuse his children. Um, he was pleading for mercy for his daughters. And I think that's important to emphasize. Lot was a good guy. God saved him because he was a righteous guy. Now, between him and his the, the few people in his family that came with him, it was less than 10 people, though. Sodom was not a good place. Their sin of Sodom absolutely involved homosexuality because they were lusting after the men who visited Lot, the men of Sodom who surrounded the home and demanded that he allow them to slake their lust. Um, they had homosexual desires. Now, this is important because the Lord wishes for people to live chaste lives. 
human sexuality is only to be expressed under the protection of the marriage covenant. That's important because it's not just consent, as sometimes we are allowed to believe, although obviously consent is a vital element of the covenant of marriage as well. The lust of Lot's wife, looking back toward wickedness without judgment, is an important element in understanding her downfall. The lesson of Sodom and Gomorrah is not don't judge, though Lot treated the people with respect. He wasn't cruel to them. He was a good citizen. He refused to support their carnal desires. And even when accused of being judgmental himself, he held to the standards the Lord had given. All right, let's change gears and talk about the promised blessing that Abraham received. So though Sarah was old, she did not have the ability to have children. At last, after decades of faithful and patient waiting and service to the Lord, Abraham and Sarah had a son, Isaac. Ishmael, the son of Abraham with Hagar, the Egyptian servant, was cast out, but the Lord took care of them, and Ishmael became the father of the Arab peoples, uh, in part to fulfill some of the promises the Lord had made. But Isaac was intended to be the promised son. He had the birthright through which Abraham's covenants would be realized, the covenants of posterity, priesthood power, and possession of the land of Canaan. This was particularly important to Abraham because he had not always been favored, even by his own father. In fact, his father, Terah, had been caught up in the idolatry and wickedness that existed in the land of the Chaldeans. Abraham himself had nearly been a human sacrifice to the false pagan gods of Egypt and Chaldea and had only been rescued at the last moment by an angel of the Lord. So even after escaping this situation, kind of bringing Terah along with them, Terah again returned to serve his uh, false idols. I imagine that Abraham this entire time had thought that he would know how to care for a son better. I imagine the disappointment when he learned that his wife could not have children, but he remained faithful anyway. I imagine the concern that he had when he couldn't stay with his wife when they were in Egypt or around the old kings in the lands of the Philistines, but he remained faithful anyway. At last, even though he was an old man, the Lord had given him the promised son that would represent the covenant between he and the Lord. And after doing so, and after watching him grow, then uh, let's go to some reading. Genesis 22, first two verses. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham. And he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, 
and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. Abraham had lived long enough to know the voice of the Lord. That's why he answered, Behold, here I am. This was not expected, though. The source of all good and righteousness, of love and mercy and goodness, had told him to take his son, his only son who he loved, and to sacrifice him as a burnt offering. So Abraham did it. He took Isaac up to Mount Moriah. Imagine the great pain that Abraham must have experienced as he bound his son. And it's also worth noting Isaac is probably old enough at this point that he could have fled, but he was also willing to do what God and his father had taught. And uh, then we come to verses 10 through 12. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing that thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. Imagine the relief that Abraham experiences in finding out that God had prepared a substitute, a ram in the thicket that would be the offering and not his son. But there is a question, why do this in the first place? Human sacrifice is wrong. Abraham knew that. Why didn't he refuse? You have to think that at least part of it is because he knew the source of the voice of God. And that even though he personally had a lot of experience, a lot of accomplishments in service of the Lord, uh, and that he had tried to be a good man his whole life, none of that was more important than doing what God asked. He trusted the source. This is an important approach when we encounter something about God or the church or a prophet that seems off. Know the source and trust the source. In the end, it will all be made clear. In the end, we'll understand. The experience, obviously, between Abraham and Isaac is in similitude of the offering of the only begotten Son of our Heavenly Father. We are the ones that need the sacrifice. And God did not withhold from us his only Son, his beloved Son. He is the substitute for us, just as the ram in the thicket was the substitute for Isaac. Abraham became a better person for actually, not just in theory, but actually putting God first before anything, before what he might have valued more than anything else that he thought was right. This is the way. 
in the end, if there's something that you are unwilling to give up to God or something that would cause you to walk away from God, seek to overcome these weaknesses by developing a stronger bond with God. Trust the source, because even though he will ask hard things, he will make it work out. It will be worth it. Even when he gave up his own son, it was not permanent. Jesus Christ is alive and well today. Opportunities come to those who are patient. Nothing is too hard for the Lord. And do not let the desire to not judge keep you from focusing on Jesus. If you're looking elsewhere, it won't work out. As Jesus himself taught, remember Lot's wife. We appreciate all the support for the Word Preacher podcast. Next week, we will look at Genesis 24 through 27, discussing covenant marriage and birthright blessings. Of course, there's a lot we did not cover in this week's reading. Please study that individually and with your family. And as always, fight on. Thank you.